Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I first met Brad in the early winter of 2020. Brad has a soccer club that was highly recommended from a friend of mine and Marco's soccer coach when he first started the game, my buddy Ryan. And during 2020, we went to the Hammond Sport Complex right down the street. And for three days a week during 2020, 2021, 2022, he would do these soccer training camps. And I realized early on that it was just more than a camp and that this gentleman, Brad, was just for real. And he was teaching kids of all ages just about discipline and a mindset and being the best versions of themselves. And one day I was running and Brad was outside mowing the lawn and I went into his house and we just started breaking bread and hanging out. And he is just a superhuman being with a fantastic mindset. And I hope you enjoy this podcast. Peace. And you are the only person I know that at one time played a professional sport. Well, almost. No, I didn't quite make it there. The injury derailed things, but came as close as you could come. Well, that's still, though. I mean, how many... And I remember when me and me and Chris came over, my friend, and we were talking and kind of hanging out. Allowing yourself to get so good at one specific thing, there's not a lot of people that do that. You can become really good at something, but don't you think from good, you go to great, and then from great, if you're lucky enough and disciplined enough, you can go to brilliant. And then once you get to that brilliant status, then I think in sports, that's when you would be able to be somebody that would stand out above the rest, right? Or, I mean, what's some of the insight with that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of disagree because isn't it that way with everything? I mean, with every profession, with any practice, it's just, it's all kind of the work you're willing to put into it. You know, the, the more effort you put in, the more you get out of it. That's with anything. It could be studying law or mowing the lawn. It could be any cutting hair. You know, you, you put all your time and effort into something, and that's what you're going to get back out of it. So I put it into soccer. When did you start playing? I had to have been about three, maybe four. You know, I didn't really get serious, though, until out of high school. So I played through high school, you know, for my high school team and all that. But, uh, you know, maybe basketball was more of a dream at that point in life. I don't really know if anything was. I was just, you know, I love the play and I love fitness and nutrition. So post high school, I think I saw, <clears throat> I saw France play in the World Cup and that kind of changed things for me. You know, from that point on, I would never put a ball down. I would just focus everything into soccer. What was it about that game that the light bulb went off though? Like what was... I mean, it's hard for youngsters to understand nowadays because they have it right in front of them, you know, through their Xboxes and, you know, they've got the English leagues and all these European leagues on right there at the click of a button. But, you know, <clears throat> I think up until that point, I hadn't really seen or paid attention to soccer fully. I was working in a clothing store and, 
and the guy had to had to pay extra to get the World Cup. What clothing? You were, you worked at a clothing store? Offside soccer shop. Oh, so okay. In so, gotcha. Okay. So it was a soccer store, yeah, but I mean, no one would come in, so it was like you know, there's nothing to do but just sit there and watch TV and clock out. So he's like, look, I paid this money. You're gonna, you guys are going to leave the World Cup on. So we're watching, you know, and we just sit there and catch games here and there. And uh, Zinedine Zidane was playing with France, and it just, like, captivated me the way that he played. I'd never seen it been played like that before, and I was just jaw-dropped. Hmm. Something got inside of my head. And, I mean, I would even just stand outside and juggle the ball at work from that point on. Just never put a ball down. And this was in high school? This is like, no, I, I had graduated, so 98. Okay. So I graduated in 97. So you graduate high school in 97, and then what happens? You get a job in Highland, working at a soccer soccer store. Or... Yeah, so I was working there in high school. Okay. And then for a year or two out of high school. Yeah, and then, um, you know, from there I started playing again. I quit. I kind of quit after high school, you know. Still wasn't really a dream until I saw that, you know, that World Cup of 98. I'm like, that's what I want to do, man. That would be cool if I could just, you know, focus all my athletic abilities in the one game and just never put a ball down. <clears throat> so you play in high school, you get inspired, and then started playing college? Or, like, what was the... Because I, I, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and I've always been curious on how you, like, what were the steps that that involved to go from the guy that was working at the store in Highland, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we're playing, you know, semi-professional, now we're at the point where we're about to turn professional. Like, what, how did, how did that happen? How did that transpire? Dreaming, man. Was it? Just, just dreaming and trying to put it into reality. You know, living, living it and believing it, you know, it was, it was tough. Uh, I kind of went, I went like a backwards route, you know, like it's too late at that age. You should already be in a big club. So the dreams of playing in a big European club or in a World Cup is out the window. It's never going to happen, you know, but I just didn't believe that. I believe if I could get myself to a certain fitness level and certain ability, then, then they couldn't say no. Uh, so, you know, I bounced around from some colleges. I went and walked on a couple college teams, and uh, just it, it wasn't really for me. So I kind of pissed away those opportunities, which didn't go over well at home. And okay. With close friends, you know, like, what what are you doing? Yeah. It's just not it, you know. I'm not here for the school. I just I want to play ball. I want to play in the World Cup. That's it. So, you know, like, I wouldn't even sleep. And, and just train through the night and train all day. And uh, so then eventually I went down to, I think I was 19, I went down to an Indiana Blast, was a team out of Indianapolis, and um, tried out. Like they had these open tryouts, which were just bullshit money makers, you know, like pay 100 bucks or whatever, 50 bucks or whatever. I went down there and um, made it through that, made it through the final cut, you know. But then um, <clears throat> by that time I was pulled up to train with the first team and uh, it was kind of a slap in the face, reawakening of what this is really going to take. You know, these these dudes were like 28 years old, big fucking hairy legs and mustaches. You know, and I'm just yeah. a scraggly little 18 year old, 19 year old kid. And I had never played at that level before. You know, so uh, by that point, by the time I made it to the first team, I had no legs. You know, so I knew that was going to be a big thing. Like I'm going to have to really be able to 
to, to last like that. You know, they take your legs away. I remember that the first practice out there with the first team was a 7 a.m. and it was cold in like February. Uh, you know, you know, just the fog on the field, and all we did was run and run more and run more. You know, and so like your legs were gone by the time you get to the the afternoon sessions or whatever, and I was just shite. You know, huh. They sent me home in the first week, and but I deserved it. I didn't deserve to be there. And I right. knew that, you know, but it didn't detour me or anything. It just it, it set the scale. Like, okay, dude, and like, okay, well, this is what it's going to take, you know, because this is fucking America. It is. And you think you're going to go play in Europe or win a World Cup or, you know, play in a World Cup. That's, like, the highest level. So, so that was li living in the sand dunes, man, and spinning them treadmills, hitting them heavy bags, and, you know. When the sun goes down, you just do strength training through the night on the playgrounds, push-ups and pull-ups till the sun comes up and then back on your feet and on the ball. It just would really never end. So it's one of those eat, shit, and breathe, like, circumstances and situations. Way. It's almost like, you know, um, to play at that level, you got to, like, train yourself to the point of overtraining so you're on the brink of injury. Always on the brink of injury because your body's so fatigued and overtrained. Um, but I miss those days. What's the, I mean, what's the difference between, in your opinion, between amateur and professional? And I don't even think that that has to relate to, like, sports. But what do you think the difference of the mindset of somebody that would be amateur and then to make that jump to have more of a professional mindset? What do you think the main difference between the two are? The first thing that comes to mind would be consistency. You know, uh, there's some good amateur players and, and any, even musicians, you know, there's, there's really good players out there in, in any sport. You know, collegiate, high-level Division One collegiate athletes are fit. They're, they're good. They're big. They're strong, just like the pros. Uh, but you got to bring your best every time. That's why they're paying you the money. You know, it could Sunday morning, you don't feel like getting out of bed that day. You still got to be, you know, the bin that, that we hired in. We're paying you money, you know. You right. Gotta, you get, so consistency, I think, is a big thing to be able to be at your best at every moment. So that's why you just kind of condition yourself to, to be that way. You just live that lifestyle. And so then when it counts, it's just, it's just another moment. You're used to it. The hard work, the grit, the grind, just always being at your best, you know. For me, it was always a perfect touch or, you know, that's why you get a million touches a day so that in that moment you can have that, that first wonder touch. It's not going to let you down and make a fool of you sure. in front of the stadium, you know. Sure. I Don't you think acceptance has a lot to do with that too? Like accepting the fact that like, hey, this is my goal. This is what I'm going for. I have to accept the fact that in order for me to get what I want and what I dream about, this is what I have to do. And if I don't do it, I can't have it. Well, and it's your journey. So if you don't look in the mirror and believe in yourself, then who's really gonna, you know? No one else on your team, you know, that's, it's not like a camaraderie thing. So, like, I wasn't really in with a team like that. I wasn't rostered. I would be brought into teams to train with them, to be spit out on the different teams and, you know, always struggled with some weird injury. So you were walking in then to that above college level soccer? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah, I had, I had uh, opportunities from some of the biggest clubs on earth that closed down, you know, with the, with the injury. Gotcha. It was just ended. But like Champions League clubs and Copa Libertadores Champions clubs and 
uh, clubs here in in the northern United States. And that's something that happened all after high school. And it was 18, literally, literally just watching that one World Cup and watching Paris, France. And that was a decision that you made. You're just like, well, fuck this. I'm going all in. Yeah. Dropped out of college. Just huh. went full blown. I was working for a bricklayer and a roofer. My parents didn't even know it at the time. Okay. Thought I was going to classes, you know. Just wake up and go grind it with a bricklayer. <laughs> yeah, just... Find the hardest work I could find, you know. Well, I mean, it's going to help with your training too, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I would show up. My buddies would roof houses. I'd show up and just sprint the shingles up the ladder all day. Not even. I didn't even want the money. Wasn't right. about that, you know. It's going to make you a stronger player. Absolutely. And more disciplined on top of that. Self-discipline. Yeah. And I think another thing is like not really giving a shit what anybody thinks about you is a big thing. So like throwing that out the window. Um, that's tough because you're self-conscious. You're raised in a world of competition and it's oh, all yeah. about what everybody thinks about, you know, what do they think about? You just got to throw that out because you can't be loose and you can't become Michael or Kobe, you know, or Ronaldinho or Pele. Like these guys can't be caring what the dude in the third balcony thinks, stuffing a sausage down his face. You know, like that's why he's there to watch you play. You just, you know, you, you can't be in your own world. If you're all shelled up and worried about what everybody thinks. So that's a big factor, too. Oh, that's a hard discipline, though. That's heavy. I wasn't able to take that on until my 40s. I struggled with that as a player. I, I would shell up in front of big crowds, like, couldn't do what I was doing on the training grounds, you know. So that was a tough, tough one to break. Well, I mean, don't you think that a little bit of that is just has to do with nerves and excitement? I mean, I mean, truly not giving a shit about what people think, that's a... Jedi mind trick. For sure. It's almost like being patient. Well, how are you going to play in front of the whole world and do like one of the hardest? You're playing, you're playing with a ball at your feet. Right. So you have to be able to be loose and just flow like dancing. You know, you can't be all uptight and nervous. You just got to be able to flow. So that's what makes those players so special when you watch them play at the highest level, like, you know, Messi's and Cristiano's and all these big name players. They, they play in front of stadiums with like 90,000 people and every TV camera in Europe in their face and they just don't care. And That's they, what it is then, just not giving a fuck. They just can play. They just like, they're still on the playground somehow. There's no, there's no uptightness. There's no, you know, I'm sure <clears throat> right without adrenaline, there is no Michael Jordan. Adrenaline makes you become magic. So it's about focusing and channeling that energy, you know, and, but it's almost like, you know, to a certain degree, We've been tricked to see it as fear. Like, I'm nervous, you know. Mm -hmm. You're not nervous, dude. And you're about to go into war. And your adrenal glands are releasing adrenaline through your bloodstream. So you be can become superhuman. So you need to learn how to channel that, focus that. So, yeah, if you don't have butterflies before a big game, then there's an issue. You know, you better figure out how to get those butterflies going. Right. But, but that doesn't mean be all anxious and uptight. So this is where like meditation and practice players are like really getting into that now. <clears throat> These things can help channel that, you know, almost like cooling it down inside of you so that you can release it when the, when the moment matters most. Yeah, I I get excited when I have to be on a big stage. I get excited. Well, it's normal. It used to be, but but I don't get nervous. And the reason why I don't get nervous is because I know I did the work. Like I'm up there for a reason. Now, right. it, now it's almost like a drug and you're like feeding off of that. You know, you, you feel good and comfortable being awkward, 
Yeah, being like that dream when you're in, yeah. in high school and you're like in your underwear. No, yeah, yeah, I'm like that too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But not till I'm older though. So that's special when you can see that in a young, like you know what Messi, Messi walked on the field for Barcelona at 15 years old. Right. You know he's from Argentina. That's on the other end of the world. So he had to leave his family and everything he knows and go over there and just. It's it's a common story with a lot of them. The amount of passion that must go into something like that, though, too, though, because the soccer's been it's it's soccer's been a newer thing for me, but I didn't realize how obsessed I was with it until I started watching it on ESPN. Like when Marco signed up for your club, I was just like, let's watch some soccer, dude. Two weeks into watching like ESPN and like La Liga and like Barcelona and like all these different like leagues and stuff. I was fucking hooked. Like even still to this, I remember you were you and I were texting back and forth when the World Cup was on. What a crazy sport, man! And there's there's sports that are hard, sports that are challenging, but soccer, to me, <coughs> is just next level human stuff. You got to be a tough son of a bitch, limber, fast tough i mean these guys are getting thrown into and like everything else so i only got into it because marco went to your camp and now i'm watching leagues and nice. watching different oh dude it was like the total like thing i didn't know i was like wait a minute there's more to life than just ufc yeah i, I well, see so you like ufc is you know it's like it's another fitness extremist sport it is uh, so i used to train myself and you know uh another buddy that comes to mind that made it in the mls program uh, we would we would kind of simulate UFC training routines and you know so a lot of boxing and sprinting up up inclines and tra- it's a lot of the same training you know right you look at those dudes when they shed their jersey and score a goal they, you know it's a similar body it's like a UFC fighter they look like beasts you have to be able to go you know twelve rounds right that's not easy so when you got picked up for the these leagues that you were walking on and one of the conversations that'll always stand out the most to me is when you were going for like a routine checkup when you were about to enter like the highest level so if you wouldn't mind can you kind of take me like back to that point because it's one of the most compelling crazy stories honestly brad like i think i've ever heard it's a tough memory to visit you know i try not to go back there um, yeah, so I was in a rough, rough place, you know, and, uh, you know, as we all go through trial in my life. <clears throat> and so I just took a train ride down to visit some old, uh, old training partners and down in South Miami and, you know, was just down there playing and playing and a, <clears throat> a buddy of mine had just graduated from college and, uh, he's like, look, man, uh, you know, He's going to be at this MLS combine up in Orlando, you know, see if you can't get in a slot. And so I, I sent in an application and it's crazy how things work out. So, so I got accepted, like last minute thing, wasn't even planned on. But, you know, I felt like I was ready. I'd been out in Miami for like two months training in the beaches with the Brazilians and Colombians and, you know, I was ready to play. So I took a train ride back up to Orlando yeah, so uh, so long story short, I went up there and I ended up rooming with my good buddy, and I think that had a lot to do with it because I was just like you know this solo wanderer, 
um, and having a friend there, which I didn't know that was like a missing link, but man, it gave me so much like, I don't know. I was able to break that shell and just play. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe like I didn't really give a fuck anymore. Okay. Like I didn't know what was going on in my life. You know, I've been training so hard since what, 1997, 98. Here we are in 2006. You know, I've been through combines and things happen and I, you know, I get offers and then some crazy injury happens. It's like, why, you know? So I had a lot of questions like, you know, I just didn't give a fuck anymore. So I just went up there to play with my boy and just have more fun. Trying to run from like the internal pains maybe okay. of what, what I was down there for in the first place. And man, I just like, wow, it became like a sanctuary where I could just unleash everything. Everything changed. However, before every match and every session, uh, I would have to do this, you know, weird thing with my leg where I'd have to crack my hip loose because, you know, just get stuck. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, of course, I didn't know what was going on at that point in time, you know, but I played out of my mind. I was a top rated player in the in the combine. <clears throat> and uh, a couple weeks went past and no emails were coming in. I was back up here in Chicagoland and, you know, you start to get down like, damn, what? I mean, it's never going to happen. Right. I could never play better than I just played there. I felt like I was the king of the world and nothing. And it's such a big fucking dream. It's such a big oh, dude, I undertaking. Was all in. See, it's like, yeah. you know, failure is not an option. Sure. You know, in that, it's just, it's just not an option. It's like life or death, you know, training all day and just going to make it happen. It's got to happen. And, you know, and then I felt like I played like this flawless football and still like weeks and nothing. And then the next morning, uh, you know, my pops called me into his office and the, the email was just flooded with clubs from all over the world, like Champions League winners, Champions League runners up, big clubs in South America, the Libertadores champions. And I was just like blown away by it. it it's like, you know, it was so crazy. Like I saw heaven's gates open. Well, that was it. Yeah. I mean, so, so like, you know, I was talking to a couple different clubs, a couple in Europe and one in Brazil that I, I was just fascinated with the Brazilian culture, you know, even though like the dream would have been to a big European giant, but I wanted to go down there and just experience it for a little bit, you know? Um, so I had to get a physical club required a physical. So get a physical on, on file and then they were going to fly me out and I'd be going to go down there and play and. So during the physical, I passed the physical and I was, you know, on my way out and I'm like, you know, my hip, I got to, I got to do this weird thing my, to my hip. And I told the doctor what I told you, how it's got to crack. I got to yeah. crack it before I play, you know, and, it, and he's like, does it pinch or burn? And I'm like, yeah, it stings, you know, it stings like fire. So he came and he did another test on it and, you know, and I'm sitting in there. I'm like, all right, you know, like I got to go play. I ran in there this morning. I jogged in there to the doctor's office for the physical. And then uh, he comes back in and they came in in like a state of emergency with like a whole team of doctors and put me in a wheelchair and we're going to take me to the hospital and do an emergency surgery on my hip. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, like pump yeah, the brakes, the dude. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, dude. No, no, no. I'm like, free, look at, you know, I pleaded with the guy. I'm like, look, just sign the paper. I've got to get like one season under my belt, you know. Um, just sign the paper and forget I even mentioned the hip. Like, forget about Because I thought, like, you could scope it, you know? Like, go in there and scope it. I've got two, three months before i got to leave. Right. Uh, and I could repair and recover and, and be on my way. And so, you know, they diagnosed it with some crazy osteonecrosis. And, you know, I, my spine was on the brink of collapsing and, you know, looked like I got hit by a truck. And 
I'm like, nah, dude, I just jogged in here. I'm fine, you know, just, I just crack it and I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know, so that, that one visit, you know, they wouldn't let me run home. So I had to call my mom or you know, I called for a ride, which was my mom and, you know, told her what was going on. I remember just standing outside that doctor's door that day and, I mean, even the clouds looked trippy. Everything looked like so surreal. Like I couldn't, I, man, I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life now. Like these dudes are telling me soccer's done like forever. Like you're gonna be lucky to walk again. You shouldn't even be walking right now. And this is when you like, for lack of a better term, like got to the gates of heaven. Yeah, so it was like, you know, it's crazy how that happens, right? That yin and the yang, that balance. Like I got to feel it and then boom, the book was closed. You know, when I was only 25 years old, right. it was 2006, which, again, I'm going against the grain with everything. You know, it's you're way too old. It's never going to happen. Nick, what are you doing wasting your life? And, you know, and it almost happened. You know, but earlier than that, like uh, 2001, uh, you know, I had the night. So I had the 99 Indiana blast thing. That's what the turning point was. That's when I got cut. I made it to the final team, which is a big deal. Sure. Uh, but got cut, you know, and it hurt. It put things like where they needed to be, and I agreed with it, you know. Like, you know, one of those dudes' legs was as big as my whole body. Right. <laughs> you know, so like uh, the 99 thing, you know, I really turned it up. And by 2001, I was, that could have been my peak. You know, I got the interest for the U.S. national team for the 2002 World Cup um, and got a call up and blew my knee out in a game up in Detroit. So it was another similar thing, you know, and uh, that one, that one I struggled with heavy depression. I was still living in my parents' basement, you know, and, you know, again, what are you doing? You dropped out of college, you're living a dream, a fantasy, and you should be working. You know how it would be. It'd be like that with, I'd be like that with my kids too. Sure. You know, uh, and then I come home from this game. I was playing with a semi-pro team up in Detroit and blew my knee out in a weird, weird way. Just sh shredded the thing. Did you have to get surgery? Oh, yeah. Had to have it all rebuilt. Your ITs were just destroyed. Everything, or? everything, ACL, you know, everything, everything was blown. That thing was just hanging there by skin. Oof. It was nasty. Yeah, so I drove myself home from, well, from Detroit to South Bend, and then from South Bend I drove myself home with my fucking leg hanging out the window the whole way, you know, and uh, got back home and then you know scheduled a doctor's appointment and, they, and they're like, yeah, everything's ripped up in there, you know, it's. So I had to sit there and have an ACL repair and sit in my parents' basement and, you know, watch the 2002 World Cup. And I could feel it in that moment that that was, like, time passing me by. And that was the World Cup that you would have been in. Yeah. If Well, I mean, I would have had to make it, you know. Yeah. It's, but it's, you know, at least I got their interest. Yeah. I was running a 4-140. had a 40-inch vert and could lift, you know, anything. I'd lift trucks. Yeah, I don't know, where, I don't know fucking, where it came from. It's a dude. fucking monster. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know where it came from. This all happened like after high school. Like I, I worked in high school with all those boys, but I, you know I could never be as big and strong as those dudes. Well, you weren't inspired. Oh, I worked out hard in high school. But you didn't have that same drive though that you had after you saw that game in Paris, though. That Paris Not towards soccer. Right. But, but I, I did have this feeling my whole life, like, you know, that I, w I was meant to be a professional athlete. I would work out since I was like, oh, and, you know, my youngest son, like, I can remember doing push-ups and pull-ups before school in like kindergarten. And like, you know, I've got like almost like an anxiety that wouldn't leave me alone. Almost like I'm, I got to train my whole life, like almost like a, a fear, like training for a heavyweight fight. 
or something. But I didn't know what sport it was going to be directed to. You know, I played them all. Yeah. I played basketball, football, soccer. I loved all sports. Right. But like you said earlier, you know, once I saw that World Cup in 98, I saw the way the game was supposed to be played. It was, it was magnificent. It was, it was like watching. I felt like I should have had Mozart on while I was watching Zidane, you know, mastercraft and orchestrate for France. Yeah. Uh, and it was a turning point in that moment. I'm, I'm like, that's it. You know, I don't even think I picked up a basketball for years and I loved basketball. That's all I did was play basketball. You know, the soccer was like work. I didn't right. really want to do soccer training. I'd play basketball before soccer, do the soccer training, and play basketball after soccer. Yeah, you're doing soccer to be better at, at basketball. I love basketball, you know, but like, man, in baseball, you know, I loved them all, but soccer, there was something different. It's like an ancient art, you know, and then uh, finding out that, like, all, you know, when, and then you get into it. So then I'm, you know, then you're in the leagues and, like, man, this could go on forever. You know, all the different leagues and the way the leagues work and all the different players and, you know, the relegation systems within the, the lower levels. And it's just really cool to get into. Well, you could just get lost in it. And so I got lost in it, you know. Um, and it was just my whole life. Everything went to soccer after 98. So then I blew the knee out in 2001. And then 2004, uh, had another big opportunity and tore up my ankle pretty nasty, but never told anybody because... Well, I mean, you don't want to, you know, pass up on something like that. Did you just play when you were injured? Always. I never spoke of it. What was the worst injury you ever had? Ever just had to like just fucking grit through? Well, the hip and the spine, but I didn't know it at the time. I, you know, I just thought like, well, I used to, we used to laugh about it, you know, after practices and stuff, joke about the hips. The hips, I'm just like, well, well, fuck, everyone's hip hurts, you know. Why wouldn't my hips burn? Look what I just put myself through. Yeah, I've just been tackled and just, hit by a truck. It's just what happens. But when that doctor came back out and they put you in a wheelchair, like what well, was... Well, I didn't get in the wheelchair. I got a thing about that. Yeah, I would, I'd be like, I'd rather fucking... Yeah, I'd, I'll crawl on my knees before I do that shit. But what was the... What ended up being the, the diagnosis of all of that? Like, how did that happen? <clears throat> so, uh, apparently there's a an impact spot in uh, the middle area of my spine, a little bit lower. Uh, so it caused a few fractures in the spine, spinal column, and then a big fracture across, you know, horizontal across the pelvic bone, uh, which then kinked the blood supply to the, to the hip. So the pain's in the hip. I mean, I feel it in the spine and stuff. It cracks and moves, but, uh, you know, the, the, the pain is in the hip because the hip joint died. So then, you know, you get this deformity in the femoral head and you're supposed to look like a baseball on the top of your femur bone. You know what your femur bone is? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the I big do. bone in the quad. You it's know? huge. And it goes from the, it connects the knee to the, to the pelvic. Mm -hmm. So at the top of it, there's like a little baseball, right? Like the ball and socket mm -hmm. joint, you know? So my right hip, it looks like that thing's been hit with a mallet. So it's not a baseball. It's just, you know, got spurs and... It's your body's way. It's like a defense. It tries to like grow fingers apparently and like hold on because it doesn't want to grind in there because of the spools of nerve endings and stuff that run through your hips. So it tries to like stop you from grinding it because there's no cushion in layman's terms. Hmm. So, so yeah, so the injury looks to be in the hip, but it's from, you know, an impact blow in the, somewhere in my spine. Which had to have just been 
on the journey from playing soccer, right? I mean, I don't know, bro. Is it hard to tell? It could have been something from. I was a wild man. Were you? Yeah, I don't know what it could be from. Maybe so. I mean, I've got ideas in my head, but you know, I can't pinpoint one thing. Um, There's one that stands out mainly from a knee through the back, foul play. Oh no, shit. Yeah. Huh. I think that was the one, honestly, but. I try not to give that dude any life or credit. <laughs> right. No, I, dude, I can't even fucking imagine. The thing that fascinates me about you is that you had said, fuck this, I'm not getting surgery, I'm walking out of here, and I'll just fucking figure this shit out on my own. I'll fix myself. Yeah, so, but, but not at first, you know. At first, you're just listening. Okay. Know, so I was seeing doctors all over the place. I mean, it was like a job, just traveling around seeing specialists specialists here specialists there it's just it's fucking over it man you know yeah um and we scheduled a surgery you're gonna have some dude come out from italy and he was gonna rebuild me and i'd be back on the pitch in two years you know they'd teach me how to walk again for the first year and then you know so you would have lost all of your basic well, they didn't even know what the hell they wanted to do at this point in time, right? This is 2006, 2007. So, like, you know, it was over at that point. And, um, you know, just, just looking for for options. Still hoping. You know, I was still training on it like crazy for many years. Right. Like, I would just, you know, but it was getting bad. Like, you know, my mile times were bad. But you're still thinking, like, you know... Well, when that time comes and I do do the surgery, I got to be fit and ready to come back. You just never give up the dream. I still train like that. Now I'm 44 years old, you know, like if I go on a bike ride or some shit, like it's just embedded in you, you know? Oh, I mean, I know that we're just recording our our audio. You're fucking built like a brick shit house, man. (laughs) I mean, like you're, you don't have an ounce of fat on you. I mean, like you still have this UFC type, you know, like I was going to say that's from a past past life right i mean well yeah don't you think you just you start to just kind of form these habits i mean you you dedicate something like for six or seven years or 20 years or whatever you're doing the same thing like hard shit and you hard shit just becomes part of your vocabulary and you're just somebody who just does hard shit and stays fucking hard all the time yeah that's a mindset you know don't you think well 100 percent yeah, it's like a martial art. That's why I run my programs and clinics the way I do. Right. You know, uh, martial arts was always a, a big part of my life, too, especially with the, the recovery process, with trying to go my own way. Um, tai Chi came to me. You know, I was, like, bedridden for a while and depression. Couldn't believe this was happening. And, you know, um, you know, at some point you just got to – either you're going to go their route – or you're going to take matters in your own hands, and that requires taking back your health. You know, so I just started educating my ways, and, like, you know, I didn't want to have the surgery. I didn't want to be cut up like a Frankenstein guy. Sure. And uh, I didn't want to be taking their drugs. You know, I got hit, hooked on pain pills for a while, and that was that was a bear to shake. You know, when I, I finally realized, like, fuck, man, you know, like, Everyone told me it was a slippery slope, and I didn't believe them because I'm so, like, health conscious, and here I am, like, I can't function without these fucking pain pills, you know, and the the doctors kind of use that, 
is like leverage, you know, like, well, you give us, you know, we'll give you this cortisone shot and then we'll give you another month's worth subscription and you keep you coming back for the subscription. I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing the shots. I don't want that shit in my blood. You right. Know? Uh, and then I don't want to do your, your fucking pills, you know? Yeah, I don't. I, I fucking, if I get brushed back for even saying this, I fucking hate doctors. I hate hospitals. I don't trust any of it. I think all that shit is just. I think the government's fucking shady and whack. I think a lot all, of them don't know what they do, though, man. You know, this far them as for they don't know what they do. They've been educated in their way. They've been educated just to sell us stuff. But a lot of them go into it with the sincere, like they want to truly help, you know, and, and they think that they're helping by like prescribing whatever they do or what you know. It's just pharmaceutical funded education. So they just create, you know, you can't even talk. I mean, think about back in the day. Like, can you go back? If you came to, if I came to you okay. as a physician, we're talking, I don't know. You can go even back to the early 1900s. You don't have to go back that far. You're going to want to hear, you're going to want to ask me questions. I even noticed that with Angie. I thought that was cool when I went to see her that day. She asked, she sat down and she asked me. You know, like about me. She wanted to hear about my lifestyle, the way that I sleep. What, what do I do first thing in the morning? You know, what are you eating? What's your diet like? You know, everything. Like, you know, I mean, they even want to know what your stool looks like. What color is your urine? I mean, we're going to have, you're going to have me tell you everything about me in order to help me. Nowadays, it's not that way. The doctor knows. He don't even want to hear you talk. You talk, he gets pissed. You know, you might you might not even get to see him. He's like a god in a ten thousand dollar wardrobe that stinks like cologne. You know, <laughs> so he walks in the room and it's like, oh my god, the doctor, the doctor's <laughs> the here, doctor's oh, here. You yeah. know, but like, and you better not question his ways because you don't fucking know. You're not the doctor, right? He don't want to hear what you got to say. Here's your script. Here's what you're gonna do. Bye. And then you're talking to the nurses. Right. You're lucky if you get to see him, even right. when you're fucking dying of cancer. Yeah. You don't even get to see him no. once in a while. 15 minutes yeah. here and there on some rounds. Yeah, yeah, they're not trying to explain their ways of chemos. They're not, they're not there to talk to you about that, you know? There's therapists for that shit. Uh, so to completely go against that is uh, courageous, to say the least. But you did. I did. And you yeah. still continue to do. Oh, one million percent. Million percent. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the like the road to recovery with all of that or like the road to like normalcy? Like what what did that look like? Like when did you start to really start to take these steps and just kind of realize like okay, now this is where I'm at. This is what I have to do. So this is what I'm going to do. Like the same drive that you had to get to yourself with the sports. Now it's you. But you already have that mindset and that capability and that ability. So did you then switch that focus into now I have this new dream? The gates of heaven have changed now. So what was the mindset like in like the building like to now move forwards with like your life and how it was going to be? We're here to learn. We keep coming back to learn more. You know, this life is a walking state of meditation. You're just walking through this creation to learn more. And it was all about that. The soccer training, it wasn't about soccer. It wasn't mm. about playing in a World Cup. It was for what matters most. You know, and that was like what was soon to come. 
to take on life's, life's challenges head on. It's a challenge, isn't it? To be at a world-class level of fitness, to play at a, you know, a sport, any sport at that level, like, you know, that's heavy discipline. Fuck, fuck yeah, it you know? is. I mean, it's, yeah, of course it is. So what, are you going to fucking lay down on the couch, dude, and rust up like the Tin Man? You know, like, like you know, I'd look myself in the mirror like I would pregame. Look deep into my soul. And, you know, it, it was all for that. So soccer was just a catalyst. It was just another just stepping stone into just for you to become the man that you are now. It was just training. It was training for this moment. Gotcha. You know, for myself to, to spread the word to the kids and try to be that impact and that influence to live a, a healthier lifestyle. I mean, as a kid, every kid wants to rebel, you know, like that's where skating came so popular oh. back in the you know 80s think about the skateboard were you a boom. skater did you I skate? love skating i'm yeah. not good at it wasn't good at it but i, I mean, sucked at it too i just like the culture and the lifestyle yeah dude yep you know so like it was just this like middle finger to the way it's supposed to be and like let's just be free flowing and you know just i mean just all those things so like uh if you want to be a rebel you know in, in today's day and age you got to take back your health because they control your health they're controlling everything through the feed, through the medicines, you know. If you control the control the feed, you control disease. You do. If you control disease, then you control the population. You do. Yeah. yeah it's fucked up. Absolutely, but it makes sense, and you feel the truth when it hits you because it's a vibration too. So it's it's seeking mm. you. Yeah. That's why that's why you feel the truth when it hits you. You know. Right. You can feel it. No, you can. It almost it, it it overtakes you in a way. Or what I've realized about just getting older and just kind of being alive, and I also too I like to set really big goals. I'm a dreamer. The gates of heaven for me they change, but they get bigger. Sure. And it just like it's I just I don't know I have this thing about just climbing. I used to think that life was just like consistency. Like okay, as long as I just kind of maintain the straight line, that should be my goal. But then I realized if I if I just stay on that same plateau, I'm never gonna see the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. or I'm never gonna see the, the the you know like the depths of hell. So in a way, like, well, what, what am I doing? I'm just being safe, right? So without risk, there's no reward, right? Right. But then every time you go up, you take the risk of going back down. And for me, there was a fear that was involved with that. So I'm like, I don't want to go up anymore because anytime I go up, I'd go way the fuck down. And then I'd have to just go right back up again to hit that line. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So that's that's kind of where I've taken the shift a little bit now. And now I just kind of like go for more gradual. So I'm like, okay, well, if I can do this, what else can I do on top of that? How can I make that better? If I just jumped one foot, how can I jump a foot and a half? If I could run 100 miles, then how can I run 200? If I could stay up for 24 hours or if I can fast or do something like this, how do I create like additional time and how do I push myself like a little bit harder to get through it? But well, that's what it's about, right, is, is time. Well, my, I think I shared this with you. My mom had a, her back was fucked. She was on a drug called prednisone mm-hmm. for a super long time. And she, I watched her fall apart. I'm sorry to hear that, man. But it, it's, it was what it was. But you want to hear something crazy, though? 
She never bitched. She never said anything about like pain, ever. That's incredible. She wouldn't even say when she had a fucking headache. She'd be like, I'll be over a little bit later. I just kind of, I don't know, I have a migraine or something. Come to find out that, you know, she had a brain aneurysm. Man. Right? So she never fucking bitched about it. That's something. Well, even like when I heard your story, it resonated with me too because my mom was fucking, she, there was, she just couldn't walk sometimes and she hated uh, assistance, hated it, right? Yeah. But occasionally she'd have to do things because of her back. And again, it was just, because I knew how her back was reconstructed, right? Because I would see the x-rays and I'd go in for the doctor appointments. And every time she'd walk up a stair or would just walk a long distance, I was afraid of it snapping. Ugh. Right? Yeah, it just hurt. Sure, just because of like how it was made. So when I heard your story, again, when we came over here a while ago and we started breaking bread and hanging out, I just automatically thought about like just pushing through pain, right? So you push through pain, is it, is it daily? Yeah, it's pretty intense. But every day you just, you beat the pain. So it's, it's, so it, it never leaves then. You've just learned a way to combat it. I mean, like, how does that, cause that's one of those questions I wish I would have asked my mom to be completely honest with you or somebody that would have like a, a chronic pain, like something that's fucked up, you know, something's bad. Like the body is just not where it needs to be. It's, it's in pissed mode. It hurts. How do you get through that? Like, is it mental? Is it physical? Like, what's, you know, how does that work? And I'm just fascinated with that, you know? I'm fascinated with that. Because, I, I mean, occasionally I'll, I'll blow something out or have, like, a pain here and there. And I consider myself to have a pretty high threshold for pain. But the pain that I've ever endured, though, it's all been self-induced. Whether it's uh, me being, you know, signing up for a fucking crazy ultra or getting a tattoo on my Adam's apple, it's all self-induced, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew what was coming. Right. I paid for it. Fuck, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fucking idiot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you pushed yourself so hard as a human being, and now you are in a situation right now as an adult, as a man, as a dad, as a father, as a coach, a mentor, all these things. But every single day when you wake up with, you know, something that hurts, what's the, what's the mindset to get through the day, like the best that you possibly can and remain optimistic? I mean, it's, it's about acceptance really, you know, just letting it, letting it move through you. So uh, mental, but the physicality is, you know, uh, I mean, really in the, in, the, in the mindset, in the physicality, in the spirit, like just living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, I think is the simplest way to put it without going into like major detail. Okay. Right. Because like everything that's, everything's your diet, the air you breathe, the lights you're taking into your eyes, regulating through all the glands in your brain, which are producing chemicals or stopping them from producing chemicals, or whatever it is, you know, uh, to, to the way that, the way, just, you know, happiness is from within, so it's a state of mind. It's all part of your diet. It's every, everything you're doing is adjusting your blood 
the pH in your blood and the frequency that you vibrate on. So, you know, when you get down and quarrel, you know, you're saying prayers to the devil, right? Right. You know, so like when you're happiness, imagine, imagine like if we could put on these special goggles and see the aura that's coming off of you when you're laughing and cracking up in laughter. Right. Or on those bad days when you stub your toe and, you know, you're trying to hang a fan and you slam your fucking thumb with the hammer or whatever, you know what I mean? And you're just pissed off and nothing's going right. Now we put those goggles on and look at you then and see the darkness and, you know. So like this is all part of this is all part of your diet that you're doing to adjust your blood. So like with, like I said, just living an anti-inflammatory life, not just through what I eat and drink, but you know, even the lights, even the air, you can adjust the air quality. All these little bitty details that go into it that do make a difference if you add them all up. Hmm. And is this like a something that you just kind of picked up like along the way? I mean, you just kind of adapted like an open mind philosophy to, you know, just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to figure this out at the macro level. Like, I mean, because you seem like the kind of guy, and I think that we kind of cut from the same cloth with this. When I get into something, I fucking geek out about it. Dissect it. Oh, I mean, like I, I, as much Googling, (laughs) as much question asking that I can give that's how I learn you know it's just like if I'm going to be into something I don't need to be the smartest motherfucker in the room but I at least have to be able to hold conversation with whoever that is so did you get because I remember you had you had it really got into gardening I remember you had mentioned like when you were living in out in Hammond that you just had like this backyard that was just like nothing but like herbs and I've seen your cupboards and stuff and you know a lot about the body and about the healing properties of the body and like the mental side of the body. And to be honest with you, you could have your own show just about like healing and what to eat and levels of pH and all these other types of things. So with your day-to-day routine, what does that look like as far as like what you are like ingesting like into your body and like into your mind? Like what are some of the, the things that you do like ritually that have helped just create like you know the best possible life for you so mentally i would say if it's negative just cut it out no matter what it is just get rid of it got it it's well i mean that's tough right it is right because i mean then you're talking like you can go to it seems like everything's like macro layered right not just biology and viruses and all this stuff but like even the even like we were talk what if it's negative just cut it out well what if it's you know what if it's your family or, you know now we're going into relationships and like what bradley said if it's negative cut it out you know so i mean there's different levels of it there right i always um, think that if it's toxic cut out cut it out well you don't have to participate though right yeah. you can be the observer and the silent observer and it doesn't mean that you know, you don't have to participate and vibrate on those frequencies if someone's coming at you nasty right. or whatever the situation. That's a choice you have to make within, right? So that's you, part of you being conscious. Well, negative's not going to kill you. Negative's no. just going to, you're going to be thinking about it when it's not around. Yeah, that's but, usually like a negative response with me because I'm a, I'm a very positive person, right? Right. When I'm in a situation where I'm around a lot of negativity, I know it's negative because I it doesn't rest. Like... When we're done hanging out today, you know, when you take me home, because I don't have a car, (laughs) when you take me home, 
and then we leave. I'm like, man, I'm really glad I spent time there. That was awesome. And then there's no afterthought, right? Mm-hmm. If it was negative, then you have this, like you go to bed and you're just like, well, what did that mean? Or like, man, I just don't have this. I'm not at rest, you know? But toxic, toxic to me should be avoided at all fucking costs and all levels. Yeah. Even if it's blood. Yeah. It's your mom, it's your dad, whatever. Toxic equals deadly. So I think that the difference between toxic and what you had mentioned with like diet and everything, if it's not good for you, yeah, it could eventually kill you. Well, it plants a seed. Does it? It, it plants a seed within you. That's why you can't let it go. You know, that's why it always keeps resurfacing and you're tossing and turning over the night over some comment that some douchebag said or whatever. Yeah, it, sure. You know, that it's bugging you because it's a seed. It's a seed put inside of you. Right. You know, that seed of thought. But where does it stem from? Where does, it, where does all that negativity and evil stem from? Where? Do, I'm where? I mean, what I've learned is fear. Fear is a seed of it all. So, you know, whatever it is, fear is a seed of jealousy, spite envy rage hatred i mean think about any not that the person who's throwing it off is aware of this because they're unconscious if you're raging out you're not conscious you've lost yourself yeah you're not there yeah you've become down here in this earth shell right you know you're not a conscious man anymore Uh, so that's another part of just sitting there being the silent observer if i'm coming at you motherfucking you you piece of shit now now you have to make the choice to vibrate on that I think that's where the discipline comes in. That that's heavy discipline. It's easy to it's easy to bite on that hook. Yeah, because right? it's right there. Yeah, it'd be harder to smash it with a positive vibration, you know. But love is always the answer, and love conquers all. And then you know, in those little moments, that would be your test. Right. I feel like everything's a test in every little way, whether you see it or not. You're being tested. It's all a test, and you're either gonna vibrate positive or negative. In, in the way that you respond to this test. Every minute of every day is a test. Every minute. Every and I, second. Every fucking second. Even if you want to sit there and idle, you know, like you were referring to earlier, how you kind of just stay on this, this plane of, like, safety, and you want to push yourself up, but then you fall down, you know. But yeah. even if you want to just sit there and be idle, life is still going to teach you. It's still going to, the test will find you. In some form or some way, you're not going to escape your trials and your tribulations. We all struggle. We all suffer. That's just part of survival. That's part of living. You're experiencing life in physicality, in human form. There, there, is, no, there is no life without struggle. I mean, even fucking lions struggle. They, they go weeks without eating. They're on the brink of starvation before they got to fucking kill something by its throat. Right. And then eat it raw just to live. That sucks. But they don't, you know, the lion's not like, oh, I'm struggling. So, you know. I'm going to go bitch to this tiger about it. Life must be tough, man. I'm suffering. You're not suffering, dude. You're just living. The lion doesn't know that. It's only in the mind of a man where we get in there and we're like, man, my struggles. And I'm, uh, woo is me. I'm suffering. Poor me. Now get out of your fucking mind, dude. You're just living life. You're experiencing life. We're all going to, to endure struggles. It's just part of, the, part of the journey. I mean, think about a flower right now because it's so nice right here. We're up in fucking Chicago, right? So all these flowers are trying to open up. It's 50 and tomorrow's going to be 60. And then, and then it falls down into the teeners. Yeah. And these flowers just curl up and they're like, God damn it. You know, like, yeah. 
You know, every, even the flowers got to struggle to live. The sun comes up the next morning and it opens up and it's like, oh, I was almost dead. You know? Right. But it lived. Because you got to struggle, dude. If you want to live, you got to struggle. One of the analogies I give sometimes when I, when I talk to people about just like reinvention, just like starting over, I was like, you know, I said, well, what's your trick? And I was like, well, my trick is don't take it out on yourself. Take it out on everything else around you. So I'm not going to be hard on myself, but if something's like not working for me, I'm going to destroy it. And then if you think about like destruction, right? Like if you just fucking set a bomb off, you're just like, fuck this, I'm done. Then you blow it up and there's all this destruction and all this rubble. So think about like wars, like war photos. Mm -hmm. You know, when you watch the news sometimes and you see like, you know, tragedies going on in other parts of the world or, you know, even here. And there's just rubble all over the place. And then if you take that same picture and you photograph it like a couple months later, there's always that one fucking wildflower. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it came back up. Came back up, right? So even through, and that's just how I view like the world. Even at its worst and even as, at its ugliest, once you let it settle, fucking all starts over again. It's just like this fucking, it's like a cycle, you know? It's like this crazy cycle. Yeah. But do you think that our, our lives have been scripted out and written by like a higher power, like a deity or like an energy, and we're just kind of going through the motions and this is just our, our skin and, and blood version and bone version of our souls and that after this life you, we go on to, to do other things or it's fun to ponder on isn't it it's interesting i mean the origins of creation and our purpose for being here has been the question of man since the beginning of time yeah you know i don't know that we really find out until we go back i have my my feelings though you know yeah you know, i don't believe that there's death you know i believe that um life is everlasting I also believe in a system of reincarnation. I think that you were sitting side by side with the creator himself before you were born in, scripting your life, scripting your test. Um, and then it's almost like you're, you're born in with a blindfold or amnesia to walk that path. I think Plato, Plato did, uh, Plato... It's something like with the shadows in the cave, if I can remember something like that from back in the day, like where he would have all his students sit in the cave uh, to teach them how, how the reality of life really truly is. And they were only allowed to look at the reflection outward of the people in the, you know, in the, in the square, like moving about. And all they could see were shadows. And you're saying that's kind of how it is. When you open your eyes and you're walking in reality, you know, it's it's the same as being in the in the cave with the shadows. It was scripted when you stepped in, but you got the blindfold, almost like you got amnesia. Yeah. But then, when something happens, like a pinnacle moment, like a chapter in your life, it it sparks a feeling of like remembrance, almost. Hmm. Like you can feel it. You can. I feel the more conscious you become is also like clarity. You know, that's another thing that comes along with the diet and the health. It's not so much about just fitness and nutrition anymore. It's about like unlocking these magical powers within that we, that have been brushed under the rug, really. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you find out about what they do to calcify the pineal gland and, you know, shut down the hypothalamus and all these different 
glands in your brain that serve these purposes for like your six senses and your you know your psychic powers and all these things that we've been told are myth are true uh, i think the silence is a big thing too man i don't do that enough like i used to sitting in silence sitting in meditation you know you tune into this energy field that binds us uh, I've heard it referred to as the Akashic Records or the Matrix, you know, whatever it is. So I think you can learn a lot through sitting in silence. I mean, Einstein used to talk about it all the time. He'd sit in silence and daydream for two to six hours every day, like mandatory. And just sit there, sit there in silence and look out the window. It's incredible what you could learn from silence. And just like truly like letting everything go. And then if you want to take it to another level, the deep transit states of meditation movements... I do it all through running and just being it's outside. And sure. be, it's a form of meditation. It's 100%. like medita meditation and cardio. Uh -huh. And then when it starts to become difficult, when pain and struggle start to become part of it, then I feel like I'm almost doing like a fucking tribal ritual. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Like I almost want it to hurt. I want to get my body to the point where my mind is just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's almost like I like to battle it. It's weird. You take away this, the, all the background noise and you're just there with yourself. Yeah. Right? You just, that's it. It's you. That's who the challenge, the competition's with. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big it, time. It, it's an incredible place to be. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to put it into words, but you, you would have had to been there. It's one of those things where you, you don't know unless you've been there. You know, my, my wife's always on me about your body screaming and why not again? Like, you know, fucking take a day off, rest, you know? I'm like, nah, I got a bike, you know, I got a cycle. You don't understand. Well, you can cycle, but you don't have to go that hard, you know? No, it's not the same. It doesn't do the same in the heart and the mind after that point of fatigue when you kind of somersault and go to that different, that special place. You know, because you're a runner. Yeah. I'm not doing it for something to do. I'm doing it to stay alive. You know? Uh-huh. There's just this feeling and calling that I get. And if I, you know, for some reason I woke up tomorrow and my feet no longer were able to support my weight, my legs weren't able to move, they weren't able to run, I at least know that at one point I had that mindset. And that's why I was just so fascinated with your mindset of just, you know, doing fucking hard shit. I mean, getting yourself to the point where you did physically is such an accomplishment like it's crazy like you can't even being a, a non-athletic guy myself though but even like, like to me like you're you're michael jordan to me i appreciate that i'm being dead honest well that was my king you know but i mean you're you did it you know what i'm saying like you well, there's always going to be this sense of failure i feel you know because like you like you said earlier you set yourself so high you know, like, in my mind, I was chasing Kobe. He was my age. Yeah. I was watching him through high school. You know, dude knew nothing of me, but I knew everything of him. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, Mike's the GOAT. And I grew up watching Jordan. Right. Still, I still just watch highlights nonstop. I can't stop. Yeah. You know, but, um, man, to even be compared, and you know, to me, that's bogus. Those guys, are, those guys aren't even human, you know, but, but I, I you know. 
I did get myself to the highest. Like I could tell you, I was one of the fittest people on the planet. I felt confident in that, and I proved it with times. Yeah. You know, I if I drew a list out of my times or strengths, but you know, again, that's all going back into the past. It's wonderful, but that journey was just for me. Yeah. That was my own thing. The past is like a. It's like a really cool resume. It tells a good story. It doesn't really have too much relevance to present and future, depending on what kind of a thinker you are and just kind of like your, your will and everything else like that. When we when you focus too heavy on the past, I've noticed, you just kind of get stuck in the mud, man. It's well, like it brings a, back sad feelings. Yeah. You know, uh, feelings that are no longer there. So you're digging them back up and bringing them back up again. So where you're only again. suffering your memories. You're not suffering right now. When you suffer from things that happened to you in the past, you're just suffering from experience and from your memories. You're suffering from your own mind. It's not what's happening right now. Right. Um, and the same thing with worrying for tomorrow. You know, there, there's certain laws we have to follow. You know, you can't be worrying and all anxious for tomorrow. These are, these are bad things that are going on. You just live in the now. You just live in the present moment. And if you do, if you do good in those tests, like we were talking about in that present moment, it will lead you down a path to the next. You can almost, not almost, you do manifest your tomorrow and your reality for tomorrow through these vibrational frequencies that you're throwing off in your test in the given moment. It's all about the given moment. It's not about, you know, yesterday was just to learn from. So don't forget about it. But if you get stuck, you know, you, like you said, stuck in the mud, you're dwelling in the past, it's going to create depression. You're going to feel heavy from it, sad memories. Like yeah. I haven't talked about that. That happened back in 2006. You know, the 2001 thing, you know, I never talked about because like, man, I don't want to go back to that time. I don't even go into details about that time. That was yeah. a tough time in my life. I don't need to go back there and feel those emotions anymore. I learned from that moment. But coming from somebody who is a friendship with you and a brotherhood with you, it's so fucking badass. Yeah. Fuck. But I didn't achieve it. So you can you can see like when you set something forward, like you want to fight in the UFC and you know you want to win a heavyweight championship, even if you make it to the UFC. Like you know I made it. I was playing with pro teams all over the country, bouncing back and forth. But like in my mind, you know that wasn't what I set my goals on. Right. My goal is to play in a World Cup. And when it doesn't happen, like, it's an overwhelming heavy weight of failure. Right. You know? So, like, what one might think, like, you know, like, wow, you know, you played with, you know, yeah, but there's a pro club. You know, I don't know. There's just always another level you're pushing yourself to. And, it, you know, it's impossible to achieve, like, what Pele did. Although when you're training in that moment, you're setting out for that, like, you know? In your mind, you're going to be Pele. I'm going to be the next household name. I'm going to be the next yeah. Michael Jordan. And then it doesn't happen. And I then just, you're just sitting there looking at the sky, and it's like, you know, case closed. On to the new chapter. Yeah, I used to want to retire. I used to joke all the time. I was actually pretty serious. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 35. I'm going to have so many millions of dollars with all these fucking bullshit businesses I had and all these, you know, this is going to be my goal. It's going to be my dream, you know. And well, this, if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. It's not this year. It's going to be next year. Well, this year I'm going to do this a little bit differently because this didn't happen. Brother, I've been chasing fucking the, go the gates of heaven my whole fucking life and falling short. And then when I realized, like, hey, this isn't my fucking dream anymore. Like, I've just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just going to fucking just try to be the best fucking human being that I possibly can and take that same mindset that I had 
when I was working towards this goal and it wasn't, my goal wasn't cool. My goal was just based around, Hey, let's try to find a way to make a bunch of money so we can buy stuff we don't need to impress people we don't like. Right. Yeah. Well, the money is a means of survival in the modern jungle, right? I it mean, is. And it really helps when you want to do stuff, especially creatively. You can have the most creative mind in the world, but if you don't have the money to support the, your creativity, then you're going to be, you know, stuck as far as like what level you're able to create at, you know? So if you throw these things out the window though and realize that your richness is in life... That's when you become a fucking millionaire. Yeah, dude. That's it. Because you're pushing off that frequency of gratitude now. So right, right. So the the preaching is is what you have, you will be given. Yeah. So it's almost like they even taught us how to pray wrong. It, they got us begging and and you know, belly aching and shit when we're praying. That's not what you know. God doesn't speak a language. Right. Whatever this creating father it figure is, it doesn't right. speak a language. It speaks a vibration. It does. It's being pushed off from your heart chakra. So they've got us all, our whole world is, you know, operating through the head brain. They don't even know you have a secondary brain in your heart. They're not even aware of it. And they've disconnected the two. Uh, you know, so, so that's, that's the language. There's no speech. There's no language that's not heard. Right. You know, like, oh, you speak Chinese, dude, you're fucked. Right. And that doesn't work like that, dude. No, that's not how it works. That's garbage for right. someone to tell you that. That's not the way it works. Right. So you only have to be an English-speaking Christian to get to the top of the mountain or whatever they teach, you know? Yeah. Now, there's no voice, there's no speech, there's no language where the voice is not heard. Right. It's a, it's an emo it's a frequency you're pushing off. It's your, it's your vibration. So, like, you know, when you're meditating, when you're praying, just push off gratitude. You got $1 in your wallet, give thanks like you won the lottery. Right. And you'll find out you have 5 and 10 and then, you know, just, you know, but if you're bullshitting about the $1, you know, people crying about the $1, it'd be taken. Then right. they'd be taken then. Because it's all energy transferring. You're just playing with energy. Your head is just a giant fucking antenna pushing off, you know, energy vibrations and frequencies into this matrix. And then it comes back through laws of attraction. So if we can learn to reactivate that heart chakra and that heart brain and start thinking with our heart and coincide it with our head then you could start to manifest your future for tomorrow. Uh, I think those were the teachings of the prophets. You know, is manifestation. They hung them on crosses for spilling the beans. <laughs> you know? And it, if they hang me on a cross, dude, don't believe what they tell you about me. You know, that's all I'm saying. Like, you know, they're right. hanging me on a cross for a reason. They found out about my herbs in the fucking pantry. Right. You know, or like whatever you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, Moline, he knows how to cure cancer. Fucking kill him and then make him out to be like a conspiracy theorist. Right. It's not really any different. No. No, it's not. Not in today's day. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, I, there's a, a certain level of disconnection that I have with the happenings around me. Like the things that I have control over are when I'm granted the gift of tomorrow. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can control how I react. Am I going to be overreact? Or I'm going to be underreacting. What kind of, again, what kind of frequency am I putting out there? I mean, little things come into play too, Ben. Like, you know, when you wake up they in the do, morning. They do, but you have to be aware of them, no bread. And that's the thing that makes you so fucking easy to just talk to and hang out with. This is like you're, not only are you aware of it though, but it's just like you're fucking, you're in it. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're so in tuned to all of that. You know, and anytime I spend time with you, 
I refocus on that and it just kind of stays in my head. And That's awesome. To- tomorrow will be different for me. The last time I came over and hung out, I left. I was different. Maybe you were different, right? Like, that's that's great. You know, it's a good place to be. And anybody that is fortunate enough to listen to this conversation that I had with you, and if they got any takeaway from it, then you're even helping more people think differently or look at things differently. And that's why I love this little contraption that I brought over to your house. And to paint a visual of where we're at right now, Brad has an office that would be a fantastic place to film like a 1970s like cartel movie. It's really hard to explain. And the desk actually is from the grade school that I went to. And there's just like tons of plants all over the place. So the oxygen in here you breathe in, it's like refreshing. Oh, yeah. Take it in, baby. And there's these cool trophies. And the the light is all like, um, it's all, it's none of its overhead. So it just kind of illuminates with the drapes and stuff. And there's like this art on the walls. And I'll see if I can take a picture at one point. But it's just a perfect setting for it. And I love that there's life going on like in the background. I mean, I was just like, I gotta, I gotta get Brad. I gotta get a, get a conversation with Brad on here. So I'm just gonna bring all my stuff to his house. Yeah, this is cool. And just hang out and do it. And um, one thing before we go, though, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to anybody that would be listening to this? What would be advice that you would give to somebody to overcome that the pain and like the fear of like the unknown? Hmm. That's a good question. I try to keep things simple. So to keep it simple, I would say that a quote from Bob Marley comes to mind. It was the last quote I think that we've ever seen of him. And um, they knew he was passing. He was going to pass on. And uh, the interviewer asked him if there was anything he'd like to leave to his fans, you know, being that this might be the last time we ever hear from him. And he just simply said, and I thought it was so powerful, because he used to give these messages that were so simple but yet they were so powerful and like shit you could prove with like quantum mechanics and like, but he would put it so basic and simple so a child could understand. And he just looked at the camera and he said, in everything that you do in life, there's gonna be a right way and a wrong way. And if you listen carefully, you will hear the right way because there's a voice inside speaking to all of us. Right, so that means you have to become conscious though. And when you talk about like you're running and you say it's like your form of meditation, that's what I refer to as your walking state of meditation. That's your walking state. Uh, that, that's, to me, that's like uh, when I wake up from a transit state. You know, like when it, any, anyone who does it, like when you open up that third eye, you can feel it like a lens open. It's almost like uh, when your eyes are closed, I get the feeling of almost like going cross-eyed. And you can feel that lens open, but then when it opens, it's the most wonderful place to be. It's like home. But then when you come out of your meditation and you go about your life, I used to think like, well, it was over and I need to meditate. And it was a daily practice and it was for many years. But now as life got busier and quicker with kids and school and everything going on, like I, you know, it's almost like you're still in that walking state. You know, So when you need to go back there, you can go back there and become conscious. But then when you open your eyes again, you're still in that spot. You're just now, now seeing it through the earth shell. You know, but nothing really changed. So when you're on your run, you're, you know, your eyes are open 
and you're and you're doing that physicality, but you still have to be in that walking state of meditation. Don't become unconscious, or as they say, twined in with the ways of the world, like like biting on those negative frequencies and vibrations, and you know, you stay conscious and see the test when it's presented. The tests just bubble up. There's another test, and and, and you get the hang of it. I mean, come on. Like, I could have went so down so many rabbit holes with Brad, and even when you're in the same room with them and talking with them, the intensity and the calmness that he has that comes over his mind when he talks about mindset and overcoming obstacles and pushing through pain is so enlightening in a way. And anytime I do leave his house, I just feel different and I'm very in tune with everything that's around me. And I think that everybody needs a Brad and it's just been a pleasure for me and my family to get to know him. Uh, Ange adores him. Marco just absolutely loves him. And I hope you do too. And I hope that the conversation that we had today just struck a nerve and you leave feeling positive and enlightened. Thanks for listening to the podcast and peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.